and welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and their Allies. My name is Brent Frayne. I'm the host. And also join uh, me on the podcast version, wherever you find it available on your favorite apps, Spotify. You can do a Google search. You can check out on the Apple iPhone, iPhone store, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, you know where to find it. Um, and uh, definitely subscribe to Neil Matheson's YouTube channel. And you'll find the latest uh, shows uh, and uh, you can tune in live and watch it on your, your screen TV or wherever you find it's uh, most suitable to you. Uh, today, I have Cheryl Hartcastle joining me. It's always lovely to have you come back on the show from time to time, Cheryl. Uh, awesome to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, hanging in there, had that, uh, that respiratory infection for a while. So building my stamina back up. And glad to be here talking to you and all of our uh, disability allies and people living the life and trying yeah. to sharpen their swords every day and advocate, 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 right? Yeah, advocacy yeah. never takes a break. It uh, never, never takes sure. a break. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, why, that's why shows like this are good. It helps us build up our, our energy and our, our spirits again, affirming each other for what we're mm -hmm. doing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, and it just uh, shines a light on all the uh, the inequalities that that uh, people with disabilities in Canada face on a day to day basis, and and what they go through. And it's all about the show is all about lived lived experience stories too. And uh, we do yeah. say actually every Monday now on on disability stories. Uh, I'm just so thrilled about having that. And we do like a yeah. nine series uh, show on uh, just focus and then we on kill it off. Yeah, and then we showed up. And we start a new one on whatever the theme may be. Is it on transportation? Is it about accessibility? Yeah. Um, and I find yeah. accessibility a huge, huge part uh, in uh, people's lives uh, on a day to day basis. On the barriers that they face, on yeah. all the obstacles that industries have uh, just neglected to deal with. Yeah. And now trying to light on on how do we how do we fix these things? Yeah. You had a, you had an example about the post office, Brent. I do, um, yeah, exactly. And then, like Sonia had a um, her her Omnipod Dash uh, that uh, comes uh, on a regular basis, and so uh, she figured that was uh, available, you know, at her door. And we had a little slip that with yesterday that she says to go to your local post office, uh, which is about a five five to six minute bus ride from here. You can walk it, but if, if for some reason that her uh, her um, sugar numbers are off whack. And it's just not accessible for her. Now she has to take the bus to go down there, and it's inconvenient too because it should have the actual item should have been dropped off inside, uh, inside mm -hmm. right near her door, and instead no, uh, because there was no signature required, so it should have been dropped off. Now she has to go out of her way to go all the way down there to pick up a small little box that should have just been dropped off, um, and that was Canada Post's decision not to do that for whatever reason. And maybe I'll get your take on that, Cheryl. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think um, it's left to individual postal carriers to make these decisions because they don't have a guideline in place. They don't have a policy in place or they don't have something in place that makes it easier for a postal carrier to say, oh, I should bring this inside. That. That's part of it. Right now, you're relying on individual postal carriers. What kind of a day are they having? How many packages? How far behind are they? A number of factors. If this was a guideline that was actually put in place that they were using, then you wouldn't have to follow up with 
Um, and this will probably be something for your, uh, you were talking about your Monday show about these everyday experiences of barriers. Now, mm -hmm. I know what a big deal it is to have to go out and actually go to the post office to physically pick up this box. That mm -hmm. is a big deal. And, you know, it's frustrating because we always have to be advocating. We always have to be looking at ways to utilize the tools that are available, even though they seem ineffectual. For example, mm -hmm. that story you just told me, you should write a letter to Canada Post and explain how this very simple experience could have been uh, alleviated if they have a guideline in place that when a signature is not required to bring mm -hmm. a package inside because mm -hmm. there are accessibility issues. The thing is, this year, under our, remember our Accessible Canada Act that everyone celebrated uh, that was passed in uh, 2019, the uh, I'm just trying to look. It's if you have if you're under federal jurisdiction and you have more than 100 employees, you had until June 1st of this year, June 1st, 2023, to file your company, your organization's accessibility plan. Mm. That had to be filed. Okay. okay. So Canada Post has filed their accessibility plan somewhere. It may um, it it might be short term and long term accessibility goals and the concrete steps the organization is going to take um, to identify and remove and prevent barriers. But the kicker is they have to resubmit this accessibility plan every three years. So they have to update it every three years. And in the meantime, what they have to do is publish their, not just publish these accessibility plans every three years. In the interim years, organizations are required to prepare and publish progress reports that mm -hmm. describe the actions that the organization has taken to implement their accessibility plan. And progress reports must also include information on any feedback they received and how the organization considered the feedback. So if you write a letter with direct attention to their accessibility plan, and then say, there was an opportunity for my postal carrier to put a package inside my uh, residential building, there was no signature required. Uh, it put the onus on, on me, a person living with a disability, to retrieve this from the post office. And it wasn't practical. It created an additional barrier to me receiving the equipment that I need for my condition. Okay? That's okay. all you have to say. And they have to publish that. This yeah. is how it's worded, anyway, that they yeah. have to publish their feedback, how the organization considered the feedback. Now that is in the Accessible Canada Act. So they have to file this plan and they have to consider feedback and they have to issue in the interim years, every three years is a new accessibility plan and they have to issue these reports. So this is the first year. Let's see how effective we as people living with disabilities and us allies, let's see how diligent we can make these organizations in fulfilling the intent of this uh, this regulation that they file these plans. I think it's a, a great opportunity for anybody. I think so too, uh, yeah. And talking yeah. to the people on Monday as well, on your Monday show mm -hmm. and that lived experience every day. Um, sometimes talking about it and gives people encouragement, put a pen to paper. You don't have to be a, a Pulitzer Prize winner. Just put your thoughts on paper. Um, tell them that you know they have to meet uh, an accessibility plan uh, under the Act and that you expect them to respond to you. 
-hmm. And keep a copy of your letter. That's easier to do nowadays. A lot of people have computers. You can mm -hmm. um, email the letter and keep a copy for yourself. But I would do that. Um, I think we've got to leverage even though we criticize and talk about how weak our existing legislation is, we, we can't give up, right? We have no other choice. And we've yeah. got to try and leverage it. Let's use it um, to the extent that it's supposed to work and see how they fall short, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that totally. Was due, that was due on uh, June 1st of 2023. So... I'm thinking Canada Post, um, the Bank of Canada, um, airlines, Air Canada has got to have an accessibility plan. And mm -hmm. I hope anybody that has an experience, I've read some really, really disturbing accounts uh, that made the news, not just with Air Canada in fairness, other airlines that are operating in Canada as well. Everybody mm -hmm. has a story. Um, you've got to put these in writing and you can copy a minister as well. It's really easy to find their emails at parl.gc.ca, right? And I think we've got to start holding them to account for these uh, legislation, word, like this wording that in these, these actions or these incentives a lot of times when we're really cynical, some of us look at it and think it's gesture. It's gesture politics. It's not really going to do anything. Where's the beef, right? Right. So got to make this have the beef. And I think that's a good way to do it. So, um, and these places are supposed to have on their websites, their accessibility plan too. So if you look for one and you can't find it, that's a letter of complaint. Yeah, it should be easy yeah. for me to access this on a website, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've got uh, two things, Brent. One thing yeah. is, uh, does your uh, building? I know it's an older building. Does it have a par parcel box? It doesn't. No. Because uh, our building yeah. here, or my building, did have a parcel box up until a couple <laughs> of years ago, and they put one in. So that's something you, you can request. Yeah. From, yeah. Uh, we we have. We have though we have requested um and they haven't but they, they don't want to put, put one in apparently they don't canada post actually wants to put one in but the management company um they said that the owner doesn't want to pay to have the box in so canada oh, post wow. is actually very upset about that because due to safety and security they said they would rather have a box in there where it's more secure but unfortunately, yeah. Canada Post, they said their hands are tied. I used to talk to a local, our local guy, but then they, they, uh, they swapped them out with somebody else now. He does a different route. Well, that's, he, an, that's another letter of complaint that you can yeah, file then, yeah. because that, that's yeah. crazy that, uh, that the owner yeah. is picking up a fuss yeah. about that. I'm just yeah. thinking, too, now, now we're so used to this being um, in the realm of disability advocacy. You have several different jurisdictions sometimes. Who's the critic? Uh, who's the minister for uh, people with disabilities in your province? Give them a heads up. You've got oh, landlords. You've mm -hmm. got landlords who are making it difficult for Canada Post to mm -hmm. remove barriers. Yeah, yeah. And, get, uh, get Dan Davies on it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He said uh, Dan Davies is the um, the critic uh, for. Um, for Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction in British yeah. Columbia. He's the critic uh, for uh, for the ministry. Uh, Honorable, uh, Honorable uh, Sheila Mal uh, Malcolmson is the actual uh, yeah. MLA. I would MLA. let her know. She might yeah. not know. Mm -hmm. Like, not know you have to assume, you have to assume when you have uh, a situation like this, there's probably, I don't know, at least a hundred other people that are being affected by the same thing, right? Like yeah. these there, decisions there was, uh, there was have other, a ripple effect. Yeah, because yeah. there, uh, there was uh, some other people that I spoke to uh, recently at a bus stop just uh, down the road from here, which is only like a, not even a two minute walk. If I went up my building, like literally one minute, it's, you know, they, you punch in Google, it'll tell you, well, be, your bus is going to be there in one minute. It's like, well, no, you have yourself more time than that. So I never go with what Google said, but anyway, uh, Getting to my point is 
I, I talked to a, um, a group of people before, and they they live in some other buildings that are not even part of the same management company as this as the place I live in, and they have the same problem. Um, so wow. I, I I encouraged them. I said, yeah, like what we're talking about now is I said that talk to your your local MLA and let them know that uh, that you need uh, you need them to enforce somehow to get yeah. uh, get that happening because it's a safety and accessibility issue too. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say, Brent, is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what Cheryl was saying about the, you know, legislation and accessible legislation, how, how important that is. Mm -hmm. But what, what I was going to say as well is like you and I both know is just, you know, just out of our lived experience over decades, you know, like when I first started working, uh, I started working at the uh, provincial government uh, in the uh, Ministry of Environment. And so that, that was back when I was like, I think 27. So we're going back uh, well over 25 years ago. Uh, but that was my first really big, important job that, that I got. Um, and, you know, the, the employer was very honest with me. They, they said, well, you know, we, we don't really hire a lot of people with disabilities, uh, you know, and so we're kind of, we're kind of taking a flyer, a flyer on you kind of thing. And so they didn't know, they didn't actually know what to expect of me. And, and, and so uh, when they found out that I actually uh, knew my shit, so to, so to speak, and was very knowledgeable about computers and could build really complex databases on, on and on, they're like, wow, this is, this is like really, we're really impressed. And, and so, you know, I had, I had all my bosses come and they're like, you know, I just want you to know, Neil, like we, we had no idea that you're going to work out this good. And because you worked out so well, we're going to actually hire additional people with disabilities because of uh, your success. And so that that to me was like almost the, the biggest, you know, uh, I don't know. It was like a, a really big compliment. And yeah, basically sure. what, what I was saying is like, like I wasn't trying to prove anything. I was just, I was just like living my life normally it's and yeah. I was just being me and, and, you know, I was uh, impacting future policy just by, just by going about and doing my regular business. So, so, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, we have legislation, but we also have just people doing their regular day-to-day -day life and just doing your regular day-to-day -day life is actually can can influence employers can influence day-to-day uh, -day activity for other people down the down the line well i'm glad that you mentioned that too neil um is like impacts like on uh legislation on how it impacts people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis and that kind of leads into uh, a discussion that i wanted to bring up is uh as we all know like a lot of people in the disability community across canada have been calling for it just feels like decades and decades um but it's um we've been well it hasn't been decades but it just well, feels it, ha like, it has been though like yeah the, no, the, I know, but the legislative for, poverty part has been yeah. Yeah. 30 years or three decades yeah. of legislated poverty so that's been that is true <laughs> yeah but what we well, you know what we've been calling for is that derb right i remember once upon a time where it was a DERB and, uh, you know, some people say it's the disability emergency response benefit or disability emergency relief benefit. However, the terminology may be, um, we all called for it. And then recently, uh, you know, a lot, there was, there was MPs that were really putting out, like putting out petitions and really gearing to try to put the recognition of, of the inequalities of how uh, urgent, urgent that we need to have emergency uh, funds sent out to people with disabilities across Canada. Uh, I mean, the urgency is there. I mean, it was, it was there right from the beginning. It was there for decades, as we, as we say it. But since it was, a, it was actually uh, mentioned in uh, 2000 and, uh, well, 2020, right? Um, the, uh, Mr. Trudeau had promised, he promised a Canada disability benefit. Now we know that it's gonna take uh, years before and hopefully maybe even longer but they want to get it right. Apparently, they want to they want to study the hell out of it. They want to get <laughs> yeah and figure out who it's going to go to. They haven't even figured all that out yet. But in the meantime, it's getting that disability emergency response or relief benefit or response benefit, however you may want to word it, um, mm. out to people. Um, 
and I mean, served like I mean, it got out there really quick, right? We we know yeah. I mean hiccups, and you go with that, but hiccups in but, but it took eleven like, days. It took yeah. eleven days yeah. to figure out yeah. and and to roll out CERB. Yeah, and to realize people need two thousand dollars a month. Uh, what a lot of I'm I'm sure all of your view, viewers are informed, but just in case you have some new viewers or new allies coming in, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't realize that to get CERB, so many people like everyone on disability was left out because. They didn't, uh, they being the federal government, when they were calculating, you had to have made $5,000 a year, mm -hmm. at least, to collect CERB. But they didn't count uh, if you had the disability, uh, if you had a disability tax benefit or any other uh, disability pension, mm -hmm. you, that didn't count. So mm -hmm. you couldn't collect CERB. They yeah. don't realize uh, people with disabilities got no support during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And with our inflation, the way it's been, you know, there's a, a, a host of things that have happened. And I, mm -hmm. I just like, I, I can't believe that there wasn't something that, that was implemented by the end of this year. Well, yeah. yeah. And like there was, petitions that were actually turned down by two members of parliament that had yeah. pushed it. and it's so devastating to the disability yeah. community. their their responses to they were it was so weak it was almost inexcusable to uh ignore the plight of people that are living in as you said neil legislated poverty mm -hmm. uh, i think it like it it's 30 percent below what Canada uses as a low income measure. Yeah, that's not even including the uh, the cost of having a disability. That's just the, the base. And that's exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's super, super frustrating. But people who can have to take those frustrations mm -hmm. and have to put and have to write, get to the keyboard. You, mm -hmm. You've got to write. Yeah. And I'll tell you an important deadline that's coming up. Um, talking about the new Canada disability benefit that's, uh, you know, seems like it's so far away. It, it, are we ever going to see it to fruition? But next Christmas, um, maybe Canada has uh, the, the, the federal. Exactly. The federal uh, government and the Minister of Diversity, Inclusion and Persons with Disabilities, that's Camel uh, Kara. She announced mm. uh, the launch of the Canada Disability benefit regulation online engagement tool mm. so it is really here's more irony for you right it's really hard to find if you go to canada.ca you have to go to employment and social development canada you got to click on that um it's really, really hard to find. I'm not mm. trying to be flippant. If people are interested in following through, what I suggest in your Google search, mm -hmm. type in update on the new Canada disability benefit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Basically, in, yeah. And then in your search, the it will uh, it will come up. It says Canadians invited to help design. And and there's a hyperlink in this news release. Uh, for the online engagement tool. And it's so hard to find that path. That's what I mean. Yeah. So basically, uh, it's like, sure. So they, they're not making it accessible at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed yeah. that. I've noticed that a lot about uh, the federal uh, websites. And also, uh, if you phone, uh, a while back, I was phoning uh, Canada Immigration, uh, you know, because, you know, my, my wife has got her uh, landed are not you know her uh, what do you call it? permanent residency now but uh you know when i was um sponsoring her we you know, had a couple questions uh, to ask uh canon immigration so i mean you go on the you go on the uh, directory tree for the for the telephone and yeah. it's like it's like this whole where's waldo like you you go you'll go click one and then you go like now you got a whole option of like another tree yeah. and then you go down that tree and then you oh, get all my. the way to the end and they oh. put you on 
put you on hold and you go all you go through, you click all these buttons like nine buttons and you get oh, all the way yeah. to the end and they like put you on hold and then oh. it's like oh. after you after waiting on hold for like 10 minutes and they're like we're sorry there is nobody here to take your call right now oh man and it's like oh. wow talk about run around eh? like yeah oh it's just crazy yeah, yeah. It's like a cat chasing its tail, right? It's, yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I mean, that's just a, a huge uh, accessibility yeah. issue too, right? It and is. Just... But we need, those of us that can have to find a way to get to the path, um, that online engagement tool that is being offered, it's only until December 21st. Oh, oh wow! Oh, that, that's a really tight window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. November fifteenth to December twenty-first. Wow. Um, for this online engagement tool, and like I said, I think your best way to get the tool itself to get itself the it will it says Canada Disability Benefit Regulation Online Engagement Tool, and it's underlined like it's hyperlinked. And you click on it and you go to it from this news release. I don't know, Cheryl. That's the easiest path. So just yeah. type, you have to type in update on the new Canada disability benefit. Yeah. Then this uh, news release comes up with, um, with these easy links to the engagement tool. But mm. if you actually go to Canada.ca, like I said, Employment and Social Development Canada. You got to click there. Then you find the Canada Disability Benefit. Oh my it's gosh. under something else. Like it's very convoluted. Very but and, but um, yeah. And the thing yeah. is, on on any of these online engagement tools, as we know, remember the survey uh, that was done about the. Um, the disability benefit back when Carla Qualtro was still the minister. Mm, no right. Um, it was so narrowly focused. The only you you answer the questions, but it's the comment boxes. Yeah. That's yeah. what you that's the only way you yeah. really can can give your input. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the twenty first for for the for the engagement tool. I mean, that's such a narrow window, and and yeah, I don't know I don't know about you, Cheryl, but it almost seems like the government doesn't want any feedback. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know what they're gonna say, and then so they can say, "Look, we gave everybody a month, and yeah. only X number of people answered." Like yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah it's. Uh, and I don't know how well it's being um, promoted either, because mm -hmm. I would have that, that would be a pop-up window on my, like right on Canada.ca. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ongoing surveys, whether it's, let's say it's for, I don't know, Oceans Canada or whatever it is, and they're, right. they want engagement. The, you should have those right up front. I Click agree, here. Yeah. Click here for the Canada Disability Benefits Online yeah, Engagement Tool. Click here for the pollution reduction, like whatever the feedback is, uh, that yeah. should be right on the front. But they they set it up that way. And um, I was reading somewhere else, too, that phase two of getting their information um, and publishing the policy for the mm -hmm. disability benefit, they have to publish it in the Canada Gazette. It will include the feedback. Mm -hmm. so okay. If they don't get any feedback, what, you know, there was uh, yeah. in a hard place. I feel sorry for people who have limited access to a computer. Can you imagine you're trying to be engaged in your community you have all these different barriers to participate. Mm -hmm. You go, you find a way, you get to your local library, and you have limited time that you can use these computers. Like, oh, yeah. sit on my computer and find this information. I don't, I'm not being rushed. No. I, yeah. I was reading something about uh, June 25th about the Canada Disability Benefit. Some people are saying the June 20, uh, 2025. June 25th is when they have to table the regulations, I think. 
or they have to, uh, is the first phase when they have to table it. Then it still has to be enacted. Yeah. Um, so they've got to work. They've got to work with the provinces. We understand all that already. I don't know if you guys follow, but um, there was a, 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 a transfer, a transition binder from one minister to the next in the province of Ontario mm -hmm. um, okay. uh, for people living with disabilities. And in it, it said that there is an opportunity to cut costs yeah. with the candidate yeah. disability benefit. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. that's saying what, what the fear was for a lot of prop, like what is the incentive for a province to uphold their obligations? Right. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. well, oh, you know, the federal government is going to do this so we don't have to do it anymore. They've yeah. got to figure out a way to keep it um, and keep those obligations from being watered down, I guess, because the federal government is now supplementing income. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of the federal, this federal entity, the, the Canada Disability Benefit, is because we know that people are living below below the poverty line and yeah. it's supposed to help address that alleviate that but if each province um in their uh, finds their own way to use this opportunity to cut their costs yes to do yeah. purposes with the whole point yeah. right i just wish i just wish it was a bit more transparent everything right i mean if it was a yeah. bit more transparent <laughs> Um, oh, because Neil, like I've, I've been hearing on on uh, Twitter, or of course Elon calls it X, but I call it Twitter still. I've been hearing a lot of chatter about people fearing that, uh, and I don't want to put fear into the disability community. No, that's not what I'm doing. No, no. Um, but I've been hearing that they, you know that there is concern. I guess I'll word it that way: is that uh, the clawbacks, right? And what will the mm. provincial governments do? Is that the opportunity that they may claw that back as they may classify it as unearned income. Yeah. You know, from a federal, from the, so the federal government yeah. says, hey, well, here we go. We're, we're doing what you asked us to do. The provinces may say, well, that's actually not earned income now because you didn't actually earn it. You yeah. got it from another source. So they may now claw that off you yeah. and say, but, you know, yeah. there's more I, to do. There, each, I, I believe what they'll have to do, they're going to have to negotiate something that it is in the act. Mm -hmm. an amendment or or some kind of uh, regulation that allows for they're going to have to give this a special designation yeah. so that it circumvents those clawback issues so and it kind of classifies it as earned income then kind of like I can't, yeah, I they'll can't. have to give it a special designation yeah. of some sort that yeah. the, the disability benefit is not this it's not yeah. this it's not yeah. this it's this yeah. Um, I'm being really general now, but I'm not really sure how they're proceeding with negotiations right now. I wish I wish we knew more about that. I wish that, like you were saying about transparency, does mm -hmm. each province have its own set of concerns? Yeah. You mm -hmm. know what they are too, because that can be part of the meaningful feedback that mm -hmm. people give for um you know, best practices in other countries or other programs, other programs that, you know, maybe you can mirror a best practice, mm -hmm. you know. If I could just be a fly on the wall. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I but, mean, you're, but you're right, Cheryl. I mean, you know, the, I can't see the federal government being on board with the idea, like, we're going to give you this top up and... <laughs> And that the provinces can just um, rape and pillage it all they want. I mean, I can't see the federal government being on board with that. I just can't. Like this, like the pink unicorn. So, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I I can see that the the federal government. I can see them pushing back hard on something like that. Like I, I you know, I just well, can't. it already happens. I mean, maybe this opens the doors for other things. If we had alleviated people would ha would be in better financial situations now that live with disabilities and um, depend on these checks that get clawed back already. Like if you're on a Canada disability pension that gets clawed back from your yeah. provincial, yeah. Uh, how it works in Ontario. And I, like, where does that money go? Yeah. yeah. 
you just sit on that in the province or you use that for like some, yeah. some other controversial issue or mm -hmm. excess yeah. let's you know i hope in 2024 this isn't just about people living with disabilities and allies it's about equity seeking everywhere we've got workers Absolutely. we've got such a gap right now can we talk about yeah. how much is enough yeah. you know they're talking about grocery prices and uh, oh i know it's huge. you know the the ceo of uh, i think it was sobe's made like eight million dollars last year something ridiculous around like there yeah like, let's talk about can we as we're talking about access mm -hmm. on this like can we have can we as a country in 2024 bring to a head this issue of access before excess mm -hmm. yeah everyone yeah. needs access to the basic needs for comfortable yep. living before an executive of some kind can get excess yeah a worker i mean i i read so much that disturbs me about you know people who are working not just three jobs but that are working all these long hours and are still having to access a food bank and you know what there's wrong with that then you hear about excess on another in another area whereas yeah. We're struggling right now, and we know we have studies. That's the other wonderful thing about the internet, right? You can look at best practices, and you can look at data. You can look at studies across different countries and developed mm -hmm. countries too that are, you know, equitable to Canada. And you can see when, if if you want, the best way to stimulate your economy is to inject money at that at that low end, low income. 100%. Seniors, oh, yeah. people with disabilities, that is how you stimulate a local economy. Yeah. If that's way, what you're the, way I always, the way I always look at it too, Cheryl, is you give people the, the, the resources, you give them the, the money, they're going to put the money back into the community that they live in, and, and they're going to blossom other communities that they may go to visit. Oh. Now it's going to now stimulate their, their community yeah. and the economy. Uh, it's one yeah. of my one of my neighbors. I mean, works at four jobs, and now is fearing that the other company is actually laying people off. So now that person needs that money in order to just get by. So they yeah. said they don't know what they're going to do. They're going to only have three jobs. And I said, oh my gosh, how when do you sleep? Oh, I get about four and a half hours sleep oh. a night. And I said, how you can't function? And they yeah. said, oh no, like it, it's hard. And they they don't have a diagnosed disability. Um, they know they have, they have, inherent, yeah. have other disabilities, but at the same time, like they're hidden disabilities. And that's yeah. the, the part that, um, that really worries. Uh, one of my neighbors is that their, uh, their daughter is actually supplementing their income because they, they actually have one of their other rentals that they have and they're renting, they're renting it out. Like they're, um, yeah, they're, but anyway, they're going to be losing their other place because they can't hold on to it. So it's like a whole ripple effect throughout society mm -hmm. of, of people and what they're struggling across the nation. Yeah. Um, this one little hiccup, boom, it can really have a huge uh, impact. I just wanted to uh, back up the tape a little bit, Brent, because um, yeah. uh, Cheryl was talking about pensions a, a yeah. little bit ago. And yeah. uh, I think, you know, Cheryl, I mean, I've had my survivor's pension clawed back from the province yeah. for for 10 years now over 10 years now i've had oh, my survivor's sure. pension clawed back and so i always say it's like you know that saying robbing peter to pay paul <laughs> i mean they're they're clawing me back so that the provincial government can then give somebody else uh income exemption you know <laughs> you know so yeah. they they take my money away so they can say well we're giving somebody else over here we're taking money away from you so we can give an exemption for somebody else over here. And it's just like, you know, you're just shoveling money around and you're not actually giving it to somebody that really needs it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's uh, the huge part that's going on. Like some people would say, well, Brent, if you don't like it where you live, move, move to another place. Well, if we were to move like within the same management company, as someone says, well, where, where do you live? Well, you know, I won't say, but you know, I mean, if I moved, I talked to my my uh, management company here, and they're awesome. Like they're really they're they're genuine. I get it. Like it's they want to make money for uh, you know for the business, but they get it though. Um, 
one of the managers uh, used to uh, be on subsidized housing when she when she first uh, got going uh, with her daughter. And so she gets it, how how cruel um, the system can be. Um, but she said the scary part is if you both move, I can rent to you another unit in the same building, but you're going to be paying $1,750. I'm like, oh, that's minimum. Um, there's other buildings that they have and they're over $2,000. Yeah. And when the area, and you, you've heard the story that I've, I've told you before, we moved from where we lived and we were paying like, uh, uh, it was getting up there. Like it was, uh, um, we had to for $1,510. If we wanted to continue, we would have been paying even more. Like there was another unit, $1,775. And we ended up having paid $1,775 temporarily. We couldn't afford it. Um, so we had to relocate and we couldn't find anything. Uh, management companies would say, well, talk to me at the end of the month. Give me a call um, or the beginning of the next month and see when someone's given their notice in. And we can, uh, yeah, we can definitely get you, uh, get you going. I go, well, I would have had to give my notice in. And with the cost of rent so high, we were being so careful. And the one place, and I, I always kind of refer back to that same part because um, we figured, okay, well, we had, we figured we're going to have this place. Like I phoned this place up and I, it was in Nanaimo, for instance, in Nanaimo, British Columbia. And I, I told them, like, we're persons with disabilities. Uh, we both get, that this is the full amount we get. Because the ministry's office said, this is the amount rent going forward. This is what you're going to be given. And you tell your new landlord, this is what you're getting. So I laid it right out. This is what I'm getting. I'm thinking, if you're not going to rent to me, whatever. And they said, no, no. We always rent to people with disabilities. No problem. So you're going to rent to me based on this income? For sure. So I said, well, um, well, what do we do? Well, just give your notice in. So guess what we did? We gave our notice in to our landlord. And uh, we did the application. I didn't hear anything. I called back and they said, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but we've had to decline you because oh. the fact is that your income needs to be $4,500 maximum between the two of you per month. I say, what? No. I said, you guys said you would rent to us. Yeah. Well, we want people to live comfortably. We don't want you to struggle and not have to have enough money to buy, pay for food and buy groceries and pay your, pay your, you know, your basic necessities, your bills. So we had to revoke our notice to our landlord and we crossed our fingers praying that they did not rent it out to somebody because if they did, we would have been in a bad situation. So we, we knew we had to find somewhere. We, anyway, Sonia found the place in Victoria. We are here. We've been here over two years, two and a half years now going on. Um, we can't, you know, now we look at the prices back in Langley, British Columbia, and we can't afford to live there. The prices yeah. are now well over $2,000 uh, $25,000, for a place. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, and people say, well, move. Well, no. <laughs> and the ministry won't even move us unless our rent is substantially reduced, Cheryl. That's the terminology that they've now put in place. No rent in Canada is $500 a month. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, sure you'd be happy just to go back even to 1500 you know, You'd, yeah, be over, you overjoyed. Check, You'd be overjoyed yeah, but, if it was that. Yeah, but yeah. a whole check wouldn't even cover that. Right? Yeah, I know, still, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it puts us in a real precarious situation. And so now I, you know, I, I was given advice, Brent, to stay where you are. If you're both well-being, just stay where you are. You're in a good spot right now until who knows what will come yeah. out of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we're just kind of yeah, laying low. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's my story. And it's a widespread problem and there's issues across the country, different scenarios and people having to face like really hard decisions about not just where do I live, but am I homeless? <laughs> am I, you know, I'm homeless or I'm spending this much and yeah, it's, you know, well, and then the, the irony to me, I, I, I respect and I empathize with anyone who is going through really hard times and struggles. Okay. But I really, really have a hard time right now when we talk about mental health and mental health supports. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe uh, for some people, you know, a suicide hotline is helpful. Um, more access to meaningful mental health supports. I get that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of our mental health issues are financial. 
Yep. They are because of other government decisions that are being made. You exactly. talked about that woman that uh, sleeps four and a half hours a night. Yeah. Um, I bet you if she had a full eight hour night, she would be lying awake looking at the ceiling anyway. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. are so stressed and you can't fix it with um, talking about certain ways to think positive and it it's i need groceries mm -hmm. that's yeah. my mental health issue you yeah. know like and we've got to start addressing these things really really candidly and and letting our government see that we are not operating in silos like you are you mm -hmm. have all of these policies and regulations that are in silos from each other and we're living on the front lines, regular life, and this is the reality, and it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If people have money for groceries, <clears throat> crime rates go down. Yep. Um, healthcare costs go down. Absolutely. All kinds of other costs go down, and we know this. We have, um, I know, poverty reduction strategy research and mm -hmm. social determinants of health. All of these research academic approaches that have been taken to really, really give the evidence so that our policymakers have evidence-based decision-making and can make the right choices with confidence, and they're still dragging their feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super frustrating. Um, you know, uh, the government likes to say, you know, uh, just get a job. And I mean, that's that's a fair comment, except, uh, you know, they don't acknowledge the fact that uh, people with disabilities, I mean, if you, if you have, and I, I've witnessed this because I, I, you know, I, I helped uh, do a employment uh, pilot project working with people with disabilities and, you know, you can help somebody with a disability get, get a job, but you know, if, if they're living in unsafe uh, living conditions, uh, like with bugs and mice or with somebody threatening to kill them, uh, you know, and this is our smelly carpets and I, uh, it's all of the above. I've, I've heard of all, all the above. And mm -hmm. if you have somebody that's not eating properly because they can't afford to eat properly, mm -hmm. all, all those things, how do you expect a person that's not eating, that's getting their life threatened, or that's living in an unsafe housing environment? How do you expect them to to wake up and and get a job when they're when they're facing all these barriers already? Yeah. And it well, it's it's no fault of their own. It's it they're put in that position because they can't afford to be yeah. in a in a safe housing environment. They can't afford to have a have a a proper meal, right? Yeah. Well, Neil, that's uh, that's exactly uh, like a lot of it, what we talk about too. It's um, as as Tom would say, uh, you know, a job doesn't define who the person is. Like it's it's something that a person may be able to go to, but if they can't go to, then the government has a legal responsibility of taking care of its citizens and mm -hmm. making sure they have. They're supposed to, which they're not, but they're supposed to give people the proper resources and the income to survive in our ever-growing um uh, escalating uh you know economy that is, yeah. is inflation is going up and you know it, it's brutal because uh yeah i mean sure the bank of canada has now held the rates at 5.0 percent right inflation's going up i was watching the news this morning saying well um yeah the cost of things are supposed to maybe stabilize a little bit next year but things are still going to be going yeah. up but the prices won't be coming back down they said so that's scary because now um, you know, the prices are going to stay the way they are. They might, a few items might come down a little bit, but what we used to know won't be coming down. And that part really worries me is because I think, okay, fine. That's on groceries in general, your general goods, right? Goods and services. But why worry about the rent prices? Those weren't be coming down. Now they keep going up. Yeah. And then you get the government saying, well, here's $50 this month. So we're going to skip a year. But then next year, we're going to give you, you know, here's a little bit more. Well, now your rent's already gone up. That doesn't even cover your cost of living, right? Yeah. And then they say, yeah. well, there's more to do. Well, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, on that. Sorry, Brent. We've talked sorry. before, too, about, uh, 
you know, pensions, disability pensions, or oh, I, disability payments used to be a pension is what I'm, I'm trying to say. On a time, and, yeah. and once upon a time, you know, back in the uh, 80s and very early 90s, the yeah. uh, disability payments used to be a pension. And what was great about that was it showed that disability was something to be respected. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it was something to be respected. And, and now that, now that you have income, you have disability being income of last resort, and it's like we're going to claw this off you, and it, it's like you know that doesn't that is not showing respect. That's showing up like mountains and mountains and mountains of stigma, you know. Exactly. And it's yeah. just it's just so perverse now how everything is set up. Well, yeah. I was I was talking to um, I have a there's um, a guy in my building. He's uh, Oh, he's in his late seventies. Um, guy, he looks like he's in his uh, late forties. I couldn't believe it how he told me, but I, I was telling him about the um, the income of last resort. He says, well, "Income of last resort." He says, "No, they're they're pensions." I said, "No, they're they all, no, they were they used were. to be." And yeah. he says, "What? When, when did that happen?" I said, "It did." And he goes, "Well, um, well, I mean, the seniors they get pensions, but people with disabilities should have pensions too." Uh, I said, well, they call it income of last resort. They want you to exhaust all other revenue avenues. They want you to prove that you can't get EI. So, you know, uh, yeah, so it, it has to be changed. But the fact is that we were talking about even like bus passes, Neil. Um, mm-hmm. You've gotten to the bus pass issue uh, just recently. We got Sonia's mom to apply, uh, Cheryl, for a bus pass. She didn't know anything about it. I didn't. And, and I've been advocating about bus passes and I... I figured, well, it had to be like seniors who were on disability. Like I didn't know that like a senior and I feel bad because she could have been having a senior's bus pass for years. Okay? But I um, I looked at the terminology and of course the government doesn't, you know, they didn't word it that way so they could easily find that. But I found out that no, any senior who um, who is can be eligible to apply for a bus pass and that bus pass is what they, the people with disabilities in BC used to have. Now they have a choice, but seniors will pay one flat amount. She went online within no time at all. Like two days later, boom, they, uh, she got the letter in the mail saying, now here you go, take it to your bank, pay $45. So she went to the cashier and uh, we were actually with her just recently. Uh, we went to Nanaimo. Sonia was supposed to have an appointment. It got canceled an hour before she was supposed to go in. So we checked all the way there and it's a two hour ride. Um, well, actually drive, but there was a, uh, what, four hours on bus almost. So yeah, yeah long trek out. Yeah, so we get there and it was canceled anyway. I asked her, I said, like, did you follow up get this bus pass? Because I kept on her. I said, you need to apply for this. You should really do this. I, I think you should. I mean, you don't have to, but I think it'd be in your best interest to. So she did. Yeah, uh, she got she got her husband to help her with online and and get this filled out. And yeah, two days after, um, they sent it out and then they worded it was, um, did you want the bus pass for, uh, for this year? She says, no, I, I don't need it for this year. I want it for next year of 2024. It's on how it was worded. And the ministry even admitted that, that yeah, it's on how it's worded, how the terminology is. So they, they said, yeah, no worries. Or you're going to get it for next year. So now she has the freedom going, yay. Like, I don't have to now drive from point A to point B. It's going to save them a lot, her a lot of money in gas. Only on Saturday. And only on Saturday, though, she can actually... Uh, come out to victoria i just got to get that fixed (laughs) (laughs) well that really puts the focus on and even like when you were talking about um people with disabilities that are employable Mm -hmm. you have to have reliable transportation yeah Um, Yeah. you can't you know to be able to get to work at a reliable time um Mm -hmm. and a reasonable time to be at a bus stop in the morning Mm -hmm. uh a a reasonable amount of walking to get to the bus stop. There's a, a lot of shortcomings in different areas. And I know that that is for the most part municipal, but like I said before, we're used to these issues, these everyday issues have different jurisdictions, different levels of government, but they're all connected. Yeah. If, if I'm going to be employable I need reliable transportation to be able to get me to work. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't afford a car, it's not just a car and the fuel. It's 
you know, the insurance cost, like all these costs go up. People are looking for ways to free up money. They've, they've got to redeploy money that mm -hmm. they're spending. So they have to find money for food or find money for increased rent. A lot of people are giving up vehicles. Yeah. yeah they have to re reallocate uh, and juggle around. Yeah. It's like, I used to call Rob, my mom used to call Rob Peter to pay Paul. And I'm like, well, yeah. who's Peter and who's Paul? She goes, no, it's a term of the hoji. And then she taught yeah. me that I was juggling it, things around. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. And yeah. and that that increases the stress level too, right? Yes. And um, well, no, I know people who, uh, in order to get to their, to the place of employment, like they've got to leave at 6.30 in the morning to start at 8.30 in the morning for some of these jobs because mm -hmm. of the way these bus routes work. Uh, there's so many discrepancies like where I live, there's a lot of employers that are outside of the public transit jurisdiction. Oh yeah. So you yeah. Can, like there's so there's so much in the way for someone who is already living in poverty. Mm -hmm. It's well, hard to live in poverty. Yeah. Like I'll, like, give, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Like I I've told the story. I'm not sure if you heard it, but uh, like, okay, so like we're in Victoria, um, Sonia's parents, and sometimes we like to just go out there just to just to see a different change of scenery too. Um, but they live in Nanaimo. So we go from Victoria, uh, which I'm, I'm grateful with Cowichan uh, Transit. Um, we pushed, I pushed a lot of advocacy. Sonia did and a whole bunch of us uh, do it online. And I made phone calls, phone calls nonstop. And I said, like, you got to change something. Well, they did. They, they tweaked it, but they made it look like, like, look what we did. What they did was take one bus off their bus route early in the morning, and then they pushed it forward into the afternoon. So now it's like, so Cowichan provides the service to Victoria. Victoria doesn't provide that, that actual service. So it's actually Cowichan. So it's a jurisdictional thing here. So Cowichan provides it, but it's a commuter-based system. So it's AM and PM peak hour only service. They don't do it as an express service where Nanaimo to Duncan or Cowichan, they have an express service. So they run it throughout the day, the same kind of service. But if they were to call a commuter if from Duncan to Nanaimo, it would now be the same situation where they can only run at a.m. and p.m. But they did it so that uh, it's throughout the day. And the reason why they have it, actually, Sonia could probably say it. Why Why? why does Nanaimo um, and Duncan have it, Sonia? because we pushed for it we advocated to make that happen so we right. actually made made them actually provide that service we nailed them we went to all council meetings this and that we kept pushing the narrative saying people well they have to walk i mean you're going to make a person with disability walk you know for who knows how long and and it's not safe it's just and so anyway the like yay we, we, we made them do it now Kalachin blames Victoria. Victoria blames Cowichan, jurisdictional, saying, well, they provide the service, so we don't have to do it. And now it leaves people with disabilities or people who, or anyone who doesn't drive or can't drive, maybe they can't afford to uh, a vehicle. It leaves them kind of in the whims. So when we go to Nanaimo, I'll give you an example, Cheryl, we leave at say now 1.45 in the afternoon. Great, because you don't meet the rush hour. Now you can go all the way through, you can get to Cowichan, and we recently went last Thursday. It was great. The travel was smooth all the way through. We actually got there uh, nine minutes early, nine minutes earlier than the bus was scheduled. And the connection time was still 15 minutes anyway. So we had, you know, a little bit of time, not enough time to really go over to say Tim Hortons, grab a cup of coffee because, you know, it could be busy. and I don't want to miss that bus. And, oh, well, maybe wait a couple more hours for another bus to go to the Nanaimo. But still, um, it worked out good. The next one after that's 3.45. They only have four buses during the weekday, p.m. They're leaving Victoria. They originate from Cowichan and they park for the day. So um, when I say that, yeah, we can get from Victoria out, we can't get back the same day. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you leave at 7.57 from Nanaimo in the morning, but now you have to get a ride. So we have to get our parents to drive us all the way down to that bus exchange. And they're about a half hour uh, drive driving the, their vehicle. So they'd have to leave at like say quarter after seven just to be on the safe side in case there's any rush hour traffic. Now they have to be up at like six o'clock in the morning and inconvenience for parents to 
take us down because there's no transit that would take us down at that time in the morning to get down to a bus exchange in downtown Nanaimo. And that bus takes an hour and 10 minutes. So it gets there at seven, min at seven minutes after nine in the morning. You wait till 9.23 and catch that's the last bus now that leaves Cowichan to Victoria. If you miss that 9.23 bus, you got to wait till the next morning and try it all over again. Where are you going to stay? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? We're, so, yeah. We're approaching the top of the hour here, Brent. I okay. only have to blast off. So, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have, have you back really on. Really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's have you back on again, Cheryl. We'll continue this conversation. Yeah. Um, we'll have you on, um, you know, actually, I think we got the 28th and 29th open. We could actually do uh, one of those days if you want. Of December, you mean? December, yeah. Oh, um, I'm doing a little bit of uh, traveling and oh, okay. visiting yeah. for the, so maybe in the early part maybe of uh, 2024, we'll kick off yeah. the new year. Season yeah. two. Uh, Season two, yay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep the conversation going, but yeah. this was a good springboard. Everybody's wheels are turning now, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, everybody stay strong in solidarity and have happy holidays. Yeah. Thanks, thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming on. And I look forward to having you back on in the new year. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye. Hey, take care.